We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. season with big goals so the team made some big moves to keep pace in the east locking up last year's star bringing back some key players and adding two exciting names to their roster hello and welcome to the putback with ian begley season one finale i'm chris williamson alongside sny nba insider ian begley and we're happy to welcome back the ceo and creator of knicks fan tv cp and we're thrilled to be joined by bobby marks ESPN's NBA front office insider who will give us some context on the Knicks moves and how they impact both the present and the future. We're live on SNY's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages, as well as streaming on SNY.tv. As always, you can get involved in the comment section throughout this entire stream, but we're going to tip things off with the baseline, Ian. So we'll get into specifics throughout the show, but with the draft over and free agency coming to a close, how do you feel about the Knicks franchise right now? Well, it's clear that they chose continuity and stability over making a big splash this offseason, and we'll see how that impacts the win-loss record. I know that they're enthused about it. They see Evan Fournier as a pretty good upgrade there at the shooting guard position. They love the Kemba Walker move, and so you're looking at the guys to replace there, Reggie Bullock with Fournier, Alfred Payton with Kemba Walker. You would think that you're going to get more scoring with those guys, on paper at least, but I wonder what they miss on defense, particularly with the Reggie Bullock, who, you know, they talked all, all year long about how key he was uh, on the defensive end for Tom Thibodeau's club. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out, but they certainly chose to mostly keep the band back together uh, after a strong 2020-21 season. Yeah, possibly preparing for a big year in 2022. And Bobby, the big move the Knicks made was picking up Kimba Walker after he received a contract buyout from the Thunder, of course, considering his injury history, uh, but also considering, you know, the type of player he is when healthy. How do you feel about this acquisition for the New York Knicks? I felt there was no risk, no risk at all, just based on now, if you're telling me you're going to acquire Kimba in a trade and he had $73 million left on his contract, then I'd say, yeah, there's probably a risk. But 
to have him come in at a, a nine to ten million dollar contract, which is basically the mid-level exception, um, and you already have you know Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly there as your you know as your guards, you can kind of you can play him fifty games during the year and monitor his minutes here. And um, I mean, it was two years ago that he was an all-star, um, and I think he can still play at a high level, but. As you said, it, it all comes down to um, it all comes down to in, you know how he is health wise here. So for a player at that level for nine to ten million dollars, I didn't think even if it never works out, um, just because there was really nothing else out there cap space, you know, free agent wise, um, I thought it was a great move. Yeah, I, I thought it was you know a smart move, a, a decision you know that can have a lot of payoff. And if it doesn't work out, as you said, you know you're not looking, you're not slapping yourself in the face for that type of decision. Uh, CP, when you look at Kimba Walker coming, coming to the Knicks, coming back to his hometown, uh, how optimistic are you that Kimba can be a major contributor this year and help the team in the playoffs? If he's healthy, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Uh, as Bobby said, it's a low-risk move. He's going to come in and open up the offense. They have another shot creator. Automatically, he becomes the best uh, starting point guard that both Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson will be playing with, R.J. Barrett as well. So that core will get an upgrade with Kemba Walker. Uh, we know that Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier had great chemistry together during 48, 16 games with Boston. Uh, he finished the season well last year. The last 10 games, he averaged about 23 points per game on about 38% shooting from three on 33 minutes per game. And so um, I think the, the the hedge against the injury is that we have depth now. So Derek Rose can come in. He can give you about 20, his typical 20, 25 minutes off the bench. You have quickly who can give you some ball handling, um, up, uh, ball handling responsibility, Alec Burks as well. And as we're seeing in summer league, Miles McBride, if he can continue to play good defense and, and stay poised as he's been in these two games, I, I think he'll press for playing time on the days where they may, you know, in, institute some load management for Kemba Walker and, uh, and Derek Rose. So I'm confident that Kemba can make an impact on this team. Yeah, a lot of Knicks fans are hoping for that to see him flourish in the garden. Once again, write your questions into the comments section, no matter what platform you're watching on, and we'll get to them throughout the show. Ian, while there may be varying expectations of what the Knicks get from Kimba, fans are hopeful to get a repeat output from Julius Randle uh, this season. You reported that Julius has signed a four-year, $117 million extension with the Knicks after taking home the most improved player of the year honors last season. So take us through how the Knicks and Randle came to this long-term commitment. Well, what I was told on the day it was first reported by Bobby's guy, Woj, um, was that that Julius Randle, first of all, wanted to commit the prime of his career to New York because he saw this franchise as a great fit for himself, loves the fans, loves his organization, and he wanted to give the Knicks some financial flexibility moving forward. Now, if he had waited and signed as an unrestricted free agent next summer, he had the capacity to sign a deal worth as much as $200 million. But I think part of this, though, was the idea that it's a risk, right? If you're going into next season uh, and you have to stay healthy and perform at a high level to maintain that status as a potential max free agent, there's a risk that things could go wrong there. So I think part of it was him taking what was on the table as opposed to rolling the dice and trying to get more money. Either way, a pretty solid contract for the Knicks. I think uh, Bobby could speak more of this, but I think even if Randall is maybe 85, 90% of the player this year that he was last year, it still should be pretty good value for the Knicks. Bobby, what did you think? 
Well, I thought it was a win-win for both just because I was concerned with Julius. You know, I think he led the league in minutes um, this past year, the wear and tear um, to kind of bet on yourself and go into free agency. And you just don't know if that hundred million plus contract will be there again. Uh, I think we're seeing it right now with Dennis Schroeder and uh, mm-hmm. what's gone on with the Lakers. I mean, whenever someone can give you 106 million guaranteed and there's about 11 million of those bonuses that carried over. I just thought it was, um, it was a win-win for where he is at his career. And it gives him, I think like $12 million in flexibility, flexibility, um, you know, per year. Um, and if, if it ever became a, uh, you know, a time down the road, if it had to be moved, it's that, that a $23 million contract per year is a lot easier than a 35, $36 million contract. So I just thought it was a win-win and, I know the naysayers out there are looking at the Atlanta series, um, but I think you got to look at the whole body of work for what he's been able to do. And people are probably also looking like, Hey, we could add cap space and all this other things. But I always say cap space is a little bit of fool's gold, right? I think you got to build your roster building through the draft through the trade market is a little bit um, is a little bit more realistic than trying to go out there with, you know, 60, $70 million in cap space. Yeah, definitely. And CP, when you, you look at Julius Randle, what's your confidence level uh, in him as Nick's best player? And do you worry about any regression this upcoming season? Well, I think ideally on a true championship contender, I think Julius Randle is probably your third best option. But on this Knicks team, I think you take it based on what happened last year. I mean, career highs across the board, 24 points per game, 10 rebounds, six assists. He was an excellent playmaker for us, over 40% from three. And that was good enough to help us get to that fourth seed in, in the East. And so I think, you know, with the contract that we gave him, the contract extension, it was a favorable deal for the Knicks. It's something that they can move on from in the future if they need to. It gives them some flexibility. Flexibility. But for now, I think he's a guy that you're comfortable building with, not around. And I think the Knicks tried to do that uh, under some sort of discipline, right? They brought back Derrick Rose. They brought in Alec Burks, Fournier, Kemba. You have shot creation. They, they prioritize shot creation in this offseason, bringing in Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride in the draft as well. Hopefully, R.J. Barrett takes an uptick. So with Julius here, you have guys that can help him. And hopefully, you know, they, they increase their win totals a little bit over last year. And hopefully they're able to get past, you know, the first round of the playoffs with all the additions that they made in this offseason. Bobby, uh, the Knicks, obviously, you know, going off of that note, they want to compete this year. But I think everyone knows or most people know that they have their eyes on future offseasons and trade possibilities. So how would you assess the Knicks current cap situation and their flexibility to make some big moves in the future and shake things up? Yeah, I mean, I think for right now until December 15th, you're in a holding pattern. Um, just because when you look at the roster, the majority of the, the players you signed can't be moved until after December 15th. So, which is tricky because what happens if Damian Lillard next week wants out of Portland, you just don't have the money to put, to put together a deal. You know, you, you know, when you look at with RJ and you just add up these rookie contracts, you don't have the money. So if you're a Nick fan, you're hoping that happens after December 15th, either, you know, him or, maybe even a guy like Bradley Beal or whoever that next disgruntled all-star is. But when you look at their, their cap sheet, they've got seven players in that nine to 23 range of contracts, which is the sweet spot. Like whenever you want to try to make, put a deal together, it's those got players who are making 10 or $11 million to add up there. It's very challenging when you have a top heavy roster of three players making 30 million plus, And then you have a bunch of maybe guys on minimum contracts, two to $3 million 
that is really that Boston had a hard time for a while do that when it, when they had Kemba and they had Gordon Hayward. Um, I think Al Horford might have even been there where there was they were top heavy, and I think Marcus Smart was the only contract in that ten million dollar range. So you have the contracts um, to make it work down the road because um, you know they're in they're team friendly like deals. Um, you know you're not going to be you know a cap space team um, next off season, but that that's fine. I mean I think the teams figure a way if a if a star player wants to come play for you, you figure a way how to make it work. Either if you're moving off money or you, maybe you're going to the trade route. We've seen even in, in Toronto with the, the Kyle Lowry situation that you know like you know they wind up turning him into two players, right? So teams are looking to turn you know their player into something other than just an empty salary cap slot um so i think they're in really good shape you know it's um you're you're going into year um year three of rj so next year is his extension year um mitchell robinson we got to figure out kind of what to do with him right he's gonna he's extension eligible but potentially could be an unrestricted um free agent here but um there's no um you know, there's no dead cap money, you know, of course, the Noah number this year, but from a player standpoint, they're all movable contracts down, down the road. And so I think they're sitting in, in really good shape. Bobby, the interesting thing uh, based on Lillard and also you mentioned Beal and even Zach Levine, I know the Knicks had kept an eye on all three of those guys entering the off season and with Beal and Levine, you know, it was just keeping an eye on where their situations were with their current teams, but with Lillard, I mean, the Knicks, you said it, obviously, you wait until after December 15th. You hope for Lillard to mention any trade possibilities. I, I think it's just a matter of when and not if, but that's just a, a guess on my point. But if you look at Golden State or Philadelphia, I mean, do you think that there are much more attractive trade packages out there for a player like Lillard if those teams were to get involved? I think it's a matter of if you're Philadelphia, how much are you willing to give up? Right? Are you willing to give up Simmons, Maxi, and Tybal? That's who I would be looking for. You know, if in a Lillard package, uh, their draft picks are certainly limited because what they owe Oklahoma City from the uh, Horford trade. Uh, I mean, the Knicks have all the draft picks in the world, and as I say, it's just a matter of timing. Um, if you listen to Joe Lakeup, the owner in Golden State, he's made it sound that he's not going big game hunting for that next um, All Star. He wants to see Kaminga and Moses Moody develop around the, uh, the, you know, the core of, uh, you know, Thompson green and, um, and Curry and, and, you know, certainly the Wiggins contract, which was not very pretty a couple of years ago. Now it's only got two years left. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, that's kind of how you stack up. I think if you just can kind of bide your time and get to December, then you have a, as of an attractive package to send out if that time comes. Yeah. And, you know, we'll definitely be waiting uh, for that moment when that time comes. And Ian, uh, Taco Nacho is asking, is a big move still possible going into next season? And what about Miles Turner? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Bobby, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they still have an exception left to spend, but the, the roster is pretty full, and that would be the only way to make a, a big, big move at this point is a trade, a Miles Turner trade or a trade for another player. We know Buddy Heald's name was out there. Um, I'd be a bit surprised if that came along because uh, the, the theme throughout the offseason, at least once things got started, was, hey, continuity, stability. We won 41 games last year. We want to bring a lot of those guys back. And I think part of that was because the Knicks knew that that big swing wasn't really out there this offseason. And, you know, if you're an executive group, you probably only get one or two chances to make a really big deal. I think the Knicks are sitting, waiting uh, for their chance to take a big swing. And it wasn't there this summer. And I don't see how Heels or Turner is that kind of swing that, that takes them you know, to the top of the East. So I wouldn't expect anything major between now and the beginning of the season. And CP, uh, Bobby mentioned, you know, Mitchell Robinson's future uh, and Marlon Small on that note is asking, will Mitchell take a leap uh, a la like DeAndre Jordan? He has gotten his weight up to, to 275. What do you, what do you think? So number one for Mitch is, is you're hoping for a healthy season out of him. But number two, I think he can playing with both Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose on, on a you know full-time basis if he's healthy because those are guys that can help get him involved in the alley-oops, all for the pick and roll. We know Mitch's uh, defensive proficiency, the way that he can rotate around the perimeter. I, I thought that was sorely missed, even though Noel came in and, and uh, you know was, was able to rim protect for us. I think Mitch is a much more versatile defender. So I think he can with another year under Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau's uh, leadership and then playing alongside uh, some nice pick and roll point guards like Kimber Walker and Derek Rose. I think Mitch can take another step. Yeah, let's let's hope that he's able to, you know, advance his game and and decide or he can give the Knicks, you know, more options than he was able to do, you know, the past couple of seasons. And Bobby, uh, one of the players that the Knicks signed this offseason, obviously Evan Fournier, uh, four year, $78 million deal for him. What did you make of that deal? Did you like that for the Knicks? Did you think they should have maybe gave him, you know, one less year? Shooting's a premium in this league. I mean, you saw what Tim Hardaway got, right, in yeah. um, in Dallas. I mean, uh, he's coming off a great Olympics playing for France. Uh, his a year in Boston after the trade was a little bit mixed because he because of the COVID situation here. Um, but I had him probably in that 14 to $16 million range. I think to pry him away from other teams, you do have to, I don't want to say overspend, but kind of pay a premium. Um, I mean, his contract hasn't come in yet, but we're probably looking at like a $17.6 million cap hit. Um, but that's, I'm fine with that contract. I think, you know, he'll, you know, slide into your, you know, you know, starting two spot. Um, you know, we could see a former Celtic backcourt of Walker and Fournier there. Um, but based on what the market, I mean, look at, I mean, Norm Powell got five for 90. I mean, that is a big, big number there. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a solid contract. I think he's, I think he's in the prime of his career. I think if you can, if he can give you 16, 18 points a game, um, 
that's kind of where that's what you're looking at. I would say he's absolutely an upgrade over Reggie Bullock, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, it's just different, right? I mean, Reggie's right, yeah. a little bit different player, and I and I actually yeah. like the Reggie contract in Dallas. I mean, it's it's three years, and there's a partial, um, but he fits. He there was a, a need and a specialty for him in Dallas. You know, maybe less in New York. I I, I didn't see New York paying him, you know, twelve thirteen million dollars based on just kind of how your roster already was. But I do think it's uh, I think it's an upgrade certainly from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. And Ian, uh, so they bring in Evan Fournier, uh, but one fan favorite that is going to be sticking around uh, for another year is Derek Rose, as well as Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, uh, two players that we've mentioned already. How did you feel about the Knicks returning these guys to the roster? Yeah, it made sense to me, Chris, because again, that big move is not there for you right now. So you have, you have some draft picks to cash in at some point. You had this cap space that you had to, you could play with, but there was no big move this summer for them because Kyle Lowry was going where he was going. Uh, Chris Paul was staying in Phoenix. We knew that. And, and Kawhi Leonard, nobody thought was going to really go anywhere. So the, the idea of holding on to what you had last year, because you had some success made sense to me. Uh, I mean, Bobby could speak more specifically to the contract numbers. I know some people were, were scratching their head at some of those deals, but if you look into the future, two, two years, one summer, two summers down the line, these are tradable contracts. It's not, it's not like you overpaid anybody a gross amount to where that contract becomes an albatross. So I think part of it was stability and part of it was holding on to some flexibility for the future. Um, whether that comes to fruition, we'll, we'll see. But I thought it did make sense to make the moves they did, given where they were. And CP, with the Knicks spending $43 million on Derrick Rose, do you do you like that? Are you a fan of that that uh, the numbers right there, or do you think they should have given him given him less given his age? Well, well when the deals first were announced for both Rose for all three Rose Burks and Noel, you, you kind of you know scratch your head a little bit, and then as the days passed and you found out that there were full team options on those deals, you became a bit more comfortable with it. But uh, Rose, the player, there's no doubt that he was a catalyst for this team in terms of them uh, obtaining that four seed in the East. I mean, once they got him in the trade deadline, they were a completely different team, and uh, on and off off the court. And I remember a conversation I had with Men of World Peace, and he talked about um, you know the advantage. Of, of playing with quality veterans that could really go in and help these young guys how to win and show them what to do. And that was evident in, uh, in Derek Rose and, and Taj Gibson's um, contributions to the team. So I think Rose being here definitely gives us a lift. Uh, having Kemba here to kind of have them in a pl platoon, I think it's definitely beneficial for us as well. And, and yeah, I, I think, you know, Rose coming back, once the pieces came off the board in free agency and a lot of the point guards uh, came off the board, Lowry went to the heat, um, you know, Reggie Jackson was still there, Dennis Schroeder was still there, but Rose was still the best option for us. And so it became more and more critical for him to return to the team once the point guard options uh, were coming off the board. Bobby, one thing on Derek Rose and just generally the, the, what the Knicks did. I mean, when you're an executive and you have a roster that has uh, surpassed expectations last year, let's say, how do you feel about the continuity approach versus kind of blowing it up again or making big changes after that season and, and trying to push forward? I mean, particularly with the Knicks situation, like how do you look at that from an executive standpoint? Yeah, it's funny. Teams kind of get themselves in trouble when they they value, they um, kind of trend towards other teams' free agents and don't value your own players. Mm -hmm. 
that they, I see it all the time where like you think, all right, well, this group got us to, you know, 42 wins. Let's see what we can go out and get in free agency. Maybe we can take that next step and just keep Julius and RJ and kind of just add other pieces. And, and then when you get them here in training camp, you're like, man, I miss Derek Rose. And I miss, <laughs> I miss, uh, you know, Nerlens Noel and I miss Alec Burks because you already knew what you had. And I think, I think this thing is going to be important for them to get out of the gate quick. I think they have a huge advantage um, from, and we'll see where when the schedule comes out, because you, as you said, you have the continuity factor. I never thought this was a free agent market for big swings here. I just didn't see it. I didn't see like anybody out there that was worth taking a, you know, big swing. I didn't see it three years, 85 million guaranteed to DeMar DeRozan. I just, you know, if you would have told me maybe two years, 40 for DeMar DeRozan, I'd say that maybe. Um, mm. I just I just didn't see it. Um, even with Kyle, I didn't see three for 90. I mean, that's a big, it's a big number. Um, and I always say, like, we're all in this honeymoon period. The offseason is the honeymoon period. We all like our roster. And <laughs> until you get to, like, middle of the year and you'll be like, man, that Kyle Lowry contract for year two and three is pretty bad. <laughs> you know, so I think you just have to be careful as far as how you evaluate. And there's there, I know it doesn't sell headlines, but the continuity factor is important, especially when you have guys that can still play. I mean, the, the three guys you brought back are still quality, you know, quality, quality players there. Yeah, it's not like they're scrubs or anything like that. They definitely provide a value to the Knicks organization. And we're going to get back to the Knicks in just a little bit. But Bobby, one question on the net. So with Kevin Durant back on that four-year extension, do you think Harding, Harden, excuse me, and Irving will do the same? And do you think these extensions factored in to the Nets letting Dinwiddie walk? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, certainly from a finance standpoint, um, um, no owner likes to pay a big luxury tax. I don't care if you're worth $20 billion. When you write a $100 million check to the league, it doesn't, it's not a great uh, feeling. So I do think the finances paid away for Spencer leaving because it would have been a high amount towards their, their luxury tax. And plus when you're paying Kyrie, you know, 35, $36 million, and then you want to bring Dinwiddie back at 18, 19. Um, I think it had a, had a re, um, an impact there. Um, so Durant's off the board. I think Harden will be next. Um, his extension is three for 161. Um, that we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting as far as the, the approach they take with Kyrie. I mean, he's the, I think you have to, right? I mean, if you're going to do the other two, uh, you'll have one disgruntled player if, if he is not taken care of. And it's a whopper of a number. It's like four for like 180. That's uh, a big, big number here. Um, they did a good job of Patty Mills bringing him in as a kind of a low cost in insurance policy. But uh, when it's said and done, I mean, the three guys, I think it's $540 million in extensions. Jeez. That's the numbers. And there'll be a year when all three are making north of $50 million. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like, you know, it's like the Curry number. Curry, you know, Curry in his last year is making $59 million. I mean, it's ridiculous, like where we are right now. Um, so that's why it's it's really hard to kind of turn the wheel every year, to bring in minimum guys, to hit on your draft picks, those low-cost Bruce Brown-type players when you have three guys making that much money. So um, you got to re- hopefully have a really good scouting department. But I do think at, by the end of this offseason, we'll, all three will we'll already Durant, but the other two will probably be uh, extended here. Bobby, I sit here and I play Monday morning quarterback a little bit when I look at Dinwiddie and even to a lesser extent, Frank Nilakina, because I just wonder, could Brooklyn have gotten more back had they dealt him, you know, let's say the trade deadline last year or prior to last season? I mean, I think he would have been traded 
prior to last season if the Harden deal had gotten done earlier. But how do you see that? And also a guy like Nilakina, who I don't think anyone has officially ruled out a return to the Knicks, but if they do lose him for nothing, how do front offices see that? Is it like a sunk cost, or do they say, man, we may have been able to do better here had we done this earlier? Well, I think Frank's a little bit different because Leon inherited him, right? It was yeah. from, a, from the prior regime here, so you're kind of wiping your hands clean. Um, so I think it's a little bit different. I think Dinwiddie, I think Ian's trade value at um, at the deadline was similar to what it was, what they got back in the sign and trade with Washington, a trade mm-hmm. exception in a future second. I think that's kind of where it was. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think a team out there was going to um, give up a lot to get his, just his bird rights. And then you have to basically overpay him there. So mm-hmm. um, it's tough though. I mean, he's kind of one of their, you know, Spencer was one of their, you know, him Levert, uh, Joe Harris, that whole group was one of the, those, those under the radar type guys they found. Um, but he outplayed out his, his contract. Um, and then you just have to make a decision when, you know, it's, a, as I said, it was a very expensive insurance policy mm-hmm. for Kyrie. I mean, that's kind of how, um, how I looked at it. You can imagine that, that bill for, for Joe Sy and the ownership group, had they brought Spencer back in addition to extending the big three. I mean, it would have been astronomical. So I, I, <laughs> it would have broken our. It would have broken our bill in uh, 2013. I know. That, I know I, I, hey, and I'm happy to pass that torch along. Golden <laughs> <laughs> State or Brooklyn, one of those teams. So you know what happened, guys? Too is that what what happens is that ownership will always green light those type of moves until you get into the middle of the year and you're 20 and 20 and Spencer Dinwiddie's not playing a lot. And then you're like, wait, I just made, I just made $140 million for this guy for this one season. And he's, and he's averaging eight points and shooting 34% from the field. So that's kind of what, from an executive standpoint, you want to just like, you know what, we're just going to kind of go in a different direction there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap things up with CP. Uh, going back to the Knicks, finish this sentence, all right? So the Knicks will find great success in 2021-2022 if? If they stay healthy. You know, you look at Kemba, Derrick Rose, Mitchell Robinson, I think those are going to be three key pieces for us. Obviously, Julius Randle, you know, he's been fairly durable throughout his career except for his rookie year. But um, I, I think, you know, Kemba, D. Rose, Mitch, if they stay healthy, Julius continues on, on his trajectory RJ takes another step. You know, he, he averaged 17 points per game this year on 40% shooting. Can he get to that 20 point per game milestone? I think we'll, we'll be in good shape. We have the depth, we have the continuity, we have the stability, the chemistry carrying over from last year. So I think injuries will be the, I mean, health will be the key to this team's success next season. Absolutely. Future will be bright or is bright for the New York Knicks right now. And so as the show is titled, this is the season one finale of the putback with Ian Begley. Don't worry, we're only taking a few weeks off to catch our breath, but we will be back in October before the Knicks quest for a postseason spot and more gets underway. So for Ian Begley, Bobby Marks, CP, thanks so much and we'll see you next time.